Well, if you haven't already, um, please be seated and get out your Bibles to Micah chapter 7 as we wrap up this series in the book of Micah. Let me pray and then we'll look at chapter 7. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the wonderful privilege it is to be able to read your word. And so now, Lord, we pray that you would calm our hearts so that we might be receptive to your word. We pray that by your Holy Spirit we might respond in ever-deepening trust and that we might seek to live lives that bring glory to you. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, Well, last month, 22-year-old American woman Gabby uh, Petito uh, disappeared while on a cross-country trip of the U.S. with her fiancé. Uh, The mystery over Gabby's disappearance has generated a lot of interest due to the couple actually documenting uh, on video their trip and inviting people on social media to follow along. And sadly this week, Gabby's body was found and uh, it's believed that she was murdered. Uh, You can spare a thought for her parents and their heartache, the grief and the loss. But as you can imagine... Uh, others have responded differently to the news. Some have expressed sorrow, where others blame Gabby's fiancé. Some have questioned why the police didn't intervene more when the couple, with the couple when there were reports and possible indications of domestic violence. But then there's others who would prefer not to hear these kinds of stories, and maybe that's you right now, And for some of us, we want to believe that this sort of thing would never happen in our society. But but of course, we'd be foolish, wouldn't we, to think that? We just have to open up the news. And the Bible is clear that sin and evil are not restricted by border closures. The Bible says that within every human heart lurks sin and evil. And so I want to ask today this question of how do we respond to the sin and evil that is present in our society, that is present in our hearts, uh, in our nation and, of course, in our world? And what is a healthy way in which we can approach the darkness of our world? And as followers of Jesus, how should we personally respond when we suffer pain and loss because of the effects of sin and evil. These are the kind of questions I want to raise and hopefully by looking at Micah chapter 7 we'll have some sort of answers. And as we do turn to this last part of Micah, we're again confronted with Micah's pain over his compatriots. The prophet Micah sees his countrymen and women and he is filled with unhappiness. He sees his people turning their backs on God And if you remember last week, it was clear God's requirements. Act justly, love mercy, and walk walk humbly with God. But Israel are unable to do this because they just cannot let go of their sin. And despite all the prosperity that God has given them, they're gripped by their greed. And they go to any lengths to treat each other terribly to take advantage of each other in order to gain and despite Micah's ministry despite being God's spokesman despite presenting God's case against Israel people have not repented 
not turned back to God, nothing really has changed. And in fact, you could say that things are at an all-time low. See, when Micah surveys the society in which he lives in, he looks for a godly, upright person. And And to look for a godly, upright person is like looking for a needle in the haystack, except there is no needle. He can't even find one. Well, how does Micah respond? Does he despair? Does he, show, does he try to blame? Does he sort of live in denial? Well, it's actually none of these things. Instead, we see that the way Micah responds to the difficulty and disappointment and decay of the society that are around him is by lamenting. And that's the first thing that we kind of see. And we see that Micah laments. That's how he responds to the evil and the decay that's present. And, he, and, the, and lamenting for him is to cry out in pain and anguish to God, to mourn over what should be. And we can see this in verse 1. Have a look. What misery is mine? I am like one who gathers summer fruit at the gleaning of the vineyard. There is no cluster of grapes to eat. None of the early figs that I crave. And Micah cries out to God in frustration and disappointment. He says, what misery is mine? A sort of a, an equivalent, woe is me. But it's not the self-pitying kind of woe. And see, as Micah examines the condition of God's people, he grieves over this nation because of its lack of righteousness. He compares himself to a harvester or, or, or a gleaner who, who walks through a vineyard. And, you know, he spent years kind of teaching the God's word and like a maybe a a harvester he's expecting fruit but instead he finds absolutely nothing and this is after spending the time in in proclaiming God's word to God's people during the reigns of three kings and so he rightly expects God's word to produce but all he sees is unfaithfulness and ugliness And so as you read further in the chapter, verse 2, he bemoans that there are no upright people. Verse 3, he remarks that people are in fact skilled, but skilled at doing evil. And when he looks at society, he sees it's incredibly dysfunctional. You can't trust your neighbours and you have to be suspicious of family members. That's how terrible things have gotten. And Micah laments over these deviant relationships. And this is the way in which Micah responds to the elevated evil and the deception and disloyalty of God's people. He laments, he cries out. He acknowledges that this is not how things ought to be. And he is grieved. And so we see here, not self-pity, no blaming, but an expression of pain to God with the goal that he will trust in him. And that's what we'll see as we carry on in in chapter 7. But I just want to pause here and just talk a little bit about lament. Author of Dark Clouds, Deep Mercy, um, Mark Vrogop writes this, To cry is human, but to lament is to be Christian. See, lament is the language of followers of Jesus to express ourselves to God 
as we live between two poles, the pole of a hard life in a broken world and the pole of trusting in God's sovereignty. Laments that language that we can use when we turn to God to bring our grievances over to Him, you know, to our complaints, our frustrations, our fears. And it's all with the purpose of renewing our confidence in Him. So Christian lament is not self-pity. See, self-pity is when you turn inwardly, so much so that you're so consumed with yourself, it actually diminishes your compassion to anyone around you. And it makes selflessness harder to come by. Now, self-pity is when we assess our, uh, ourselves and our circumstances without God and without the lens of the gospel. Because even if we may feel like no one loves us, like no one listens to us, or that people are against us, and we want to just blame everyone or anything for our circumstances, uh, when we lash out like that, we're, doing, we're not looking at our life with the lens of the death and resurrection of Jesus and of God himself. We don't see ourselves united to Christ and we're reminded when we do look at ourselves united to Christ through the death and resurrection of Jesus, we are reminded that God does indeed love us, that he is not against us. He has our best interests at heart and he does indeed listen to us when we cry out. And that's, I think, the beautiful thing about Christian lament is that you can express helpfully sadness, grief, pain and sorrow in a godly way and God invites you to do this God invites you to ask boldly of him and to confidently trust him even in our sadness I mean we even see that on the cross don't we when Jesus cries out to God when he's on that cross so can I ask you are you able to talk to God instead of getting sinfully angry or embittered? Are you able to lay out your messy troubles and struggles of your soul before God and ask him to help? And when you pray, have you adopted the language of lament when it comes to your relationship with God? Well, so far we've seen that Michael responds to his circumstances by lamenting. And we see um, what he does when he does lament. He, he looks to God. And that's the second thing we see from this passage. Um, Micah looks to God in his circumstances. And he looks to God with hope. And as Micah laments, he does not despair, but he waits and he watches. See what he has to say in verse 7. But as for me, I watch in hope for the Lord. I wait for God, my Saviour. My God will hear me. Uh, You can hear notes of of trust. It is my Saviour. He is my God. But the question is, why does he look to God with hope? Cynically, we we could say that, well, when he looks around, there's no one he can trust. You know, God's his only option, his last resort. And yes, that might be the case. 
But there's two more reasons why he can look to God for hope. Um, Micah looks to God with hope because of his plans and because no one compares to God. So Micah looks to God because he's got a plan, verse 9. Maybe it doesn't look like he's got a plan initially, but uh, let's read. Because I have sinned against him, I will bear the Lord's wrath. Until he pleads my case and upholds my cause, he will bring me out into the light. I will see his righteousness. And we see, first of all, that God's plan is not to overlook sin. God's plan is to punish sin. But the beautiful thing is that God will not only judge evil, but he will lead his people through that judgment. And we see that judgment is not the end. And so what is helpful is that Micah doesn't despair at the thought of judgment. He doesn't deny it, nor does he blame the sorry state of the people around him. He himself acknowledges his own sin and contribution to deserving God's punishment. He accepts that God will send Israel's enemies to conquer them, and rightly so. And he accepts the situation. He doesn't despair, but he acknowledges his own sin. He confesses it. He accepts it. There's no denying it. But he doesn't despair because he knows that God will lead him through it. And he will come through this darkness into the light. And we see that there's more to the plan as well in verse 11. The day for building your walls will come. The day for extending your boundaries. Uh, there'll be restoration after being conquered. You know, if, where, when the enemies come through, they're going to destroy the walls. But there will be a day when Jerusalem will need to build their walls again. But not only that. Do you see, they'll need to extend the boundaries. There's not only a restoration or a rebuilding, but actually growth and thriving. God will even add to his people through the enemies of Israel. And God's plan is to deal with this sin and restore his people, rebuild Jerusalem and welcome others from other nations into the family. So Michael looks to God in hope because of his plan God won't overlook sin, he will punish, but he will get his people through so they can be a blessing to the world. As we read these words in Micah, I I hope it makes you realise how desperately we need Jesus. And I hope that uh, you can see both the injustice and justice of the cross. Micah acknowledges his sin. He accepts punishment. But for us, Jesus, without sin, dies on the cross and he accepts our punishment. And those words from that, um, that the song, um, Till on that cross as Jesus died, the wrath of God was satisfied for every sin on him was laid. Here in the death of Christ I live. But you know what? Sometimes I feel like we can hear that wonderful news that our punishment has been dealt with but for some reason 
our hearts take it for granted. Um, just recently I've laid some new turf, new grass in our backyard. And um, in researching I've learned that soils can sometimes develop a waxy coating on the top which makes it harder for water to absor- be absorbed down into the roots. And I think sometimes for us when we hear the news of Jesus bearing our sin and punishment, it's like that. We've got this waxed coat on our hearts and it just runs off and so what helps us to keep absorbing the good news of christ well of course it's the incredible work of god's spirit but i think what helps us not to harden our hearts is confident confession when we completely and unreservedly confess our sins you know not not making excuses for ourselves when we do that to God, knowing Jesus has ascended into heaven and is there pleading our innocence and upholding our cause, I think that's how we can ensure that the gospel, the water of the gospel kind of goes down into the roots of our heart. When it comes to your sin, it's important for you to admit it. Take responsibility, avoid excuses, and repent. But let's go back to Micah. We see that not only he looks to God's plan, but he laments with hope because of God's character. And his character is without equal. Have a look at the wonderful lines in verse 18. Who is a God like you, who pardons sin and forgives the transgression of the remnant of his inheritance? You do not stay angry forever, but delight to show mercy. I mean, those last four words, delight to show mercy, should be just captured and remembered every day. But you know, Micah's name means who is like God. And hopefully you've seen over the course of our series that the only answer is no one is like God. He is unequaled, unrivaled, and unsurpassable. Only our God can uphold kindness and justice together. He is forgiving and faithful, and he delights to show mercy. He is compassionate and loving. There is no other God who can deal with our sin and yet bring forgiveness. He won't pretend that, that, that your sins don't exist, but he'll do something to remove them. And how is this for an image in verse 19? You will again have compassion on us. You will tread our sins underfoot and hurl all our iniquities into the depths of the sea. See, Micah looked forward to the day when God would victoriously trample on our sin and launch it into the sea. And we know that day has come because Jesus has been raised. He has crushed our enemy sin. And our sins against God will never, ever be found. They lay on the bottoms of the deepest oceans. Well, we started the book of Micah, um, seeing that God was going to come in judgment. And we conclude the book dwelling on God's salvation, despite Israel's faithlessness. Micah can look to God in hope. He can acknowledge his sin and the sins of his people because 
It is not the end. He can endure God's wrath and the darkness as a result of their sin because God will resurrect Israel and restore them to be a blessing to the world. But for us, we've got it so much better, don't we? Because we know that Jesus endured God's wrath. He endured the darkness as a result of our sin. And we enjoy the resurrection. And we can now be a blessing to the world. But we also can look to God in terms of his character, his willingness to pardon sin, provide forgiveness, not staying angry forever, and to plunge our sin into the depths of the ocean. So what will help you deal with hardship? What will help you to deal with the presence of sin and evil in our society, in our nation, in our world? Well, I think it sounds simple simple and hopefully it doesn't sound trite. But what will help you to deal with your hurt and hardship is this. It's know God. It's to know God deeply. Only our God, only our God can bring forth perfect justice and mercy. It's, it's only our God who can delight in showing mercy and yet getting rid of evil. It's only our God who can hold those two things together with integrity. J.I. Packer, who wrote a book called Knowing God, says this, Knowing about God is crucially important for the living of our lives, as it would be cruel to an Amazonian tribesman to fly him to London, put him down, without explanation in Trafalgar Square and leave him as one who knew nothing of English or England to fend for himself. So we are cruel to ourselves if we try to live in this world without knowing about the God whose world it is and who runs it. The world becomes a strange, mad, painful place and life in it a disappointing and unpleasant business for those who do not know about God. Disregard the study of God and you sentence yourself to stumble and blunder through life, blindfold, as it were, with no sense of direction and no understanding of what surrounds you. This way you can waste your life and lose your soul. So the question I want to raise with you is that will you invest in knowing God? Maybe as you meet over your Zoom meetings after today's live stream service, With your congregation, you can share with them how the knowledge of God has helped you to endure troubled times. Maybe you can share with others what area about God you would like to explore more. Maybe you can ask, well, what have others done to help them get to know God better? Or you can share something of God that you have enjoyed knowing recently. And so... To finish, I want to return to some of those questions raised at the beginning. How do you respond to the sin and evil that is present in our society, our nation, our world? How should we respond when we suffer pain and loss because of the effects of sin and evil? Well, it reminded me actually of a a terrible, tragic event when a drunk driver veered off the road, mounted the footpath and killed four children. And to be honest, I cannot imagine 
how I would respond if that happened to my children. Now, of course, you can imagine there was outrage. People responding that the perpetrator be locked up, thrown away the key, burn in hell. But when the mother spoke, she spoke of how Jesus had died and she spoke of how she didn't want to hate but she wanted to struggle and desire to forgive. And she spoke of her desire for justice in the courts, for things to be done and to be done fairly. And another pastor reflected upon the mother's statement. He remarked how entirely supernatural her response was to the death of her own dear children. But he also noted that the mother saw in the cross of Jesus companionship, control, as well as compassion. She saw companionship in the cross because she knew that Jesus had suffered and so could empathize with her. She could see control in the cross, knowing that God, even despite the cross, can use such a terrible, evil and tragic event to bring about his good purposes. And lastly, she saw compassion. The cross reminds us to let God take care of justice and for us to display mercy. That same mercy that was shown to us. Now, I do not want to say that this sort of thing is easy by no means. But in some ways, I think we can understand how a tragic event could, in fact, lead to despair and self-pity. But what can indeed help is when we look to God and we look to the God of the cross to see his compassion, his control, and his companionship. That, that won't answer it for everyone. But let me finish by reading to you these words from Micah chapter 7, verses 18 and 19. Who is a God like you, who pardons sin and forgives the transgression of the remnant of his inheritance? You do not stay angry forever, but delight to show mercy. You will again have compassion on us. You will tread our sins underfoot and hurl all our iniquities into the depths of the sea.